0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi. You're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. Time flies when you're learning super cool stuff. I'm Nate.
1: And I'm Callie. If you're dropping in for the first time, welcome to Curiosity, where we aim to blow your mind by helping you to grow your mind. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back.
0: Today, you'll learn about the reason and the history of leap year, how scientists could tailor microgreens to your own personal dietary needs, and a lesson in getting teens to listen to your advice.
1: Without further ado, let's satisfy some curiosity. Just in case you forgot to look at your calendar, today is leap day.
0: Oh, yeah, one of my best friends turns eight today.
1: Okay, I'm going to assume that one of your besties is not, in fact, eight years old, but rather was born on February 29th and has only gotten to celebrate on that day once every four years.
0: You assume correctly. You know, if you think about it, leap year is kind of wild. Like every four years, we just add a day to the calendar, and that's not even getting into leap seconds.
1: (laughs) Okay, it can be really confusing. But did you ever wonder why we did that?
0: Uh, Something to do with Earth's trip around the sun, right?
1: Oh, you got it. But the history of leap year and leap day and even those leap seconds you mentioned is even more incredible and confusing than you might imagine.
0: Right. I I guess I never thought about like the history of leap year, like the calendar we're born with just sort of feels like it's a natural part of the planet at this point.
1: Yeah, and the calendar is just as much an invention as a car or a pocket watch. The problem any calendar tries to solve is how do you measure a year, and that's not five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes. Uh, obviously, it's important because you need to know when to plant crops and plan other important seasonal activities. So back in 45 BC, Roman Emperor Julius Caesar created the Julian calendar. It took into account the fact that Earth completes one trip around the sun every 365 days
0: one Earth year, but it's not exactly 365 days, right?
1: No, exactly. It actually takes the Earth 365 days, five hours, 48 minutes, and 56 seconds.
0: Huh. That is oddly specific.
1: (laughs) But it's pretty cool, right? So, Mm -hmm. Julius Caesar and his calendar makers actually knew that the year wasn't exactly 365 days, but more like 365 and a quarter days.
0: Uh Aha. So, every fourth year, you'd basically lose a day.
1: Yes. Without leap year, every fourth year, this gap would open up between the calendar year and the solar year, and over time, let's say about 700 years, the first day of summer in the northern hemisphere would actually be in December.
0: All right, yeah. I I would imagine that even a little bit of differentiation would be a lot to, you know, maybe a farmer whose crops fail because he didn't plant them on the right
1: day. So it actually gets even crazier. The Julian calendar worked great, but after about 1,600 years, astronomers noticed something was still a bit off. Holidays like Easter weren't matching up with the seasons like they used to.
0: Mmm, because the solar year isn't exactly 365 and a quarter days. So after 1,600 years, even a tiny discrepancy can make a huge difference. Something like that. Right track?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. So in 1582, Pope Gregory XIII gave us the Gregorian calendar, which is basically the Julian calendar with one kind of crazy exception. Leap years happen every four years, right? Right. Except for centenary years that are divisible by 400.
0: (laughs) All right, say what?
1: Yeah, no, you heard that right. There was no leap year in 1600 or 2000, and there won't be a leap year in the year 2400 or 2800.
0: All right. Uh, My brain just exploded, I guess.
1: Okay, so that's because even with the leap years, we gain around 44 minutes every four years. So that means that after 129 years, we'd be off an entire day.
0: Okay, all of this just to keep the calendar lined up with the seasons as we know them over time.
1: Yep, and it's a lot of trouble, but it seems to work. For now.
0: Wait, are we going to have to change it again?
1: Maybe, although we probably don't have to worry about changing our leap year system for like another several thousand years.
0: Well, that's not going to be my problem then
1: that's tomorrow's problem.
0: Italian researchers have developed a way to grow microgreens with customized nutritional profiles to match the very individual and specific needs of each and every person who, well, honestly, everyone who eats.
1: Okay, I'm intrigued. But are microgreens really due for disruption? I mean, I love them, but aren't they the staple of farmers markets and fancy restaurants? Why do we need personalized microgreens?
0: That's a fair question. This is one of those stories that seems really, like, small on the surface. Like, oh, yeah, microgreens, custom? (laughs) But when you dig just below the surface, this new method could have big impacts on agriculture and nutrition and sustainability.
1: Okay, maybe we should start at the beginning. What exactly is a microgreen, anyway?
0: (laughs) Okay, we've all seen them. Tiny little green shoots that get tangled up on top of our fancy salads, you know, sprouts and stuff. Lots of people might just sort of brush them to the side, but you shouldn't. These little guys are actually the sprouts of young vegetable greens that get harvested anywhere from about one to three weeks after planting when the first leaves unfurl. And they're actually super rich in nutrients, like really, really nutrient rich.
1: How could they be more nutrient rich than the adult plants they will eventually become?
0: Well, all of those vitamins and minerals get concentrated in those tiny stems and leaves, which can make them considered a superfood. They've been shown to help blood sugar regulation, to improve our cognition, lower the risk of heart disease, help prevent cancer, make our eyes healthier, even reduce the risk of anemia because they're so high in iron.
1: Huh. Okay, I knew they were good for you, but that actually is incredible. So the obvious question, why do scientists need to make microgreens better?
0: First of all, it's not just about microgreens. What these Italian researchers were really trying to do was figure out if they could grow virtually anything with customized nutritional profiles. And to top that, they wanted to do it without soil.
1: Okay. So I know that cultivating plants without soil is kind of a new trend, right? And as I recall, it can reduce the amount of space needed for crops, which is a big deal as the world population grows and we're cutting down huge swaths of forest to grow more and more food.
0: That's right. This kind of agriculture reduces land use, it reduces water consumption, reduces the need for chemical fertilizers and pesticides, and, well, you can keep the forest in place and grow these crops just about anywhere. On roofs, in warehouses, wherever. But here's where it gets tricky. Microgreens are really healthy for most people, but everyone has different dietary needs.
1: Got it. So not everyone can live on microgreens.
0: Let me give you an example. The study focused on two key nutrients, potassium and iodine, which are important for thyroid functioning and for kidney health. So it turns out that iodine deficiency is a critical concern worldwide, and to address that deficiency, we've been adding iodine to table salt for decades.
1: Yeah, but eating too much salt isn't great, right? Is it?
0: Nope, but the microgreens in the study contained 14 times the iodine content as typical microgreens.
1: Okay, that is impressive.
0: Now take potassium. We definitely need it. But people with chronic kidney disease have to monitor their intake very closely because consuming too much can lead to kidney failure and death. Microgreens are naturally high in potassium.
1: Oh, so they wanted to reduce the amount in the study.
0: That is exactly what they did. They were able to reduce potassium levels by 45%.
1: So they were able to basically create microgreens with very specific nutritional content for very specific dietary needs. That actually is pretty cool, but it's still only good if everyone ate microgreens, right?
0: That's where this gets interesting. Like I said, microgreens were just the tip of the iceberg here, a proof of concept. This study shows that all sorts of vegetables can be grown to match specific nutritional needs, and doing it without soil in a commercial setting means that this process can be scaled up to meet massive demands.
1: Wow, so if a region of the world is deficient in a particular nutrient, they can just grow vegetables with more of it in it, and they can do it at scale?
0: Yep, bespoke microgreens might sound like something you'd eat on a... A super yacht. Uh, but it turns <laughs> out they're on the cutting edge of nutritional science and sustainable agriculture.
1: going to put them in my smoothie. Even when we're on a budget,
0: we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com
1: slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A new study from the University of California Riverside has possibly cracked a code that parents have been struggling with for generations. How to talk to teens so that they'll listen.
0: Mm, We have talked about a lot of breakthroughs on this show, but I gotta say, this one sounds too good to be true. Speaking from some experience myself, I wasn't always the best listener when I was a teenager.
1: (laughs) No, I know what you mean. Uh, Honestly, if we were to dig up some photos of me in my emo stage, it would be terrible. But I felt like even when I was listening, I was also sort of not listening.
0: All right. So what's the trick? Hypnotism? Bribery? Bribery? good old-fashioned begging.
1: (laughs) Well, fortunately, it's actually much simpler than that. So the study was conducted with an incredibly diverse mix of emerging adults. That's what they call these participants who were in their late teens and early 20s. They were all asked to think about times when their parents offered them advice to help them with dealing with their emotions.
0: Got it. So that's already a tough pill to swallow. You know, if you're feeling emotional, it's really difficult to listen to someone who's trying to tell you how to not Feel so emotional. Mm.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So the participants then took a survey that had them explain whether or not the interaction actually helped. And then they answered a few questions about their own mental state and their foundational relationship with their parents. Specifically, the researchers wanted to know how connected they were with their parents and if they felt like their parents supported their autonomy.
0: Okay, so a few things going on here. I hear connection and I hear autonomy.
1: Basically, do your parents support who you are and the decisions you make as your own unique person?
0: That's actually a big deal, I would
1: think. Oh, in fact, it's one of the main factors for getting your teen to listen to you. The participants who felt like their parents supported their autonomy found their parents' advice to be helpful even when it was unsolicited.
0: Oh, yeah, no one likes unsolicited advice.
1: No, oh, that's especially true, according to the study, for teens who felt like their parents just don't get them. These teens just don't feel like their parents' advice is all that helpful.
0: So what should parents do with this information? Like, how can they use it to their advantage?
1: Oh, that's a great question. They say you can support your child's autonomy by setting clear guidelines for what they can and can't do. That doesn't mean being extra strict, but when the rules are vague or confusing, teens can get frustrated and build up walls to keep parents out. They also say it's helpful to take part in activities that interest them.
0: Hmm. So supporting your teen's autonomy means having respect for the things that interest them, but also having clear expectations.
1: Yeah. There are other things you can do, but it all comes back to the teens feeling that you respect them as an individual. If you want them to take your advice, that's kind of the key. We hope.
0: they wanted respect, they should have just been adults. (laughs) (laughs) Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up.
1: Leap years add an extra day to February to keep our calendar in sync with Earth's orbit around the sun, a tradition dating back to Julius Caesar's time and refined by the Gregorian calendar to adjust for seasonal shift.
0: Italian researchers have developed a groundbreaking new method to grow microgreens with customized nutritional profiles, aiming to revolutionize personalized nutrition and sustainable agriculture through soilless cultivation techniques.
1: A new study suggests that teenagers are more likely to appreciate and find value in unsolicited advice from their parents when it's delivered in a way that supports their autonomy.
0: Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery.
1: You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we would love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Hey,
0: it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing
1: your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods,